morning, 49ers fans. Thanks for waking up with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. And my goodness, do we have a dominant, absolutely solid game to talk about. Larry, good morning. Uh, Niners fans, not just around the Bay Area, but all over the world are waking up feeling like they did after that 5-0 and start. It's amazing what a bye week and a big win will do for the overall feeling around a football team. Good morning, brother. Hey, what's going on, man? Good morning to everybody. Welcome to... Uh... Uh, 49er wake up on a Monday brought to you by pig and a pickle and Ike sandwiches until, uh, until, until we get a title sponsor for the Krug show. We want to thank our, our good friends at Palmetto superfoods for, for getting us rolling on the 49er wake up. And now we're, we, we will carry it on without them. And if you would like to be the title sponsor of 49er wake up, uh, definitely get a hold of us and we would love to talk about it with you. Absolutely. And and hey, one more time, since yeah. you know, we, we had an original eight week agreement the, the first half of the season with Palmetto. Now I can be honest about acai bowls, Larry. I, I really <laughs> like them. I swear to God, I did. I thought they were delicious. They're fantastic. I'm not done eating them. We thank Charles for a, a great kickoff, but we go forward. And again, we're open for business. And all we are right now is the single most consumed day after 49er football show coming out of the Bay Area. We're dwar- dwarfing both radio stations combined. And uh, thank you so much for choosing us. Um, we've got uh, some really, really interesting things to talk about today. Well, Larry, let's, let's, let's do takeaways, Dave. Why don't we start with takeaways? Um, well, well, hold on. I, I, before we go into takeaways, I kind of want to set it up because I think you and I were both operating from the same place. This isn't revisionist history now that right. things have gone well for the Niners. I truly thought, without it affecting his job status, Kyle Shanahan is secure in his job. He's not about to be fired or extended based on the result of any one game. Kyle's unto, you know, he's on a bigger journey than any one afternoon could ever represent. So admitting that it had nothing to do with job status, I thought it was one of the biggest games in Kyle Shanahan's career. I really did, Larry. I thought that in every other way, a football game that's important, that needs to turn your season around, that needs to set a tone, in every way a football game can be big. That was a big game for Kyle, and it was one of his best afternoons. It was one of his coaching staff's best afternoons. I'm looking at you, Steve Wilkes. You know, you've been in the crosshairs. Come down from the box, put your feet on the ground, and the pockets start collapsing. It's like biblical all of a sudden. Um, that was a really, really good afternoon of football for everyone attached to the Niners, and Kyle needed it, Larry. They needed that. No doubt. No doubt, Jamin. It's a great point. I mean, I, I, you know, we talked a lot about a topic all week that really I don't think at the end of the day matters, and we can debate that how much it mattered, but Steve Wilkes moving from the booth to the sideline was just such a, such a you know, backfire or such a, you know, minor subplot to the bigger story, which was the 49ers were getting beat the old fashioned way on the line of scrimmage. And when you watch this game on the defensive line, man, that four is nasty. And if they can keep the foursome, the quartet, if you will, of, um, you know, the guys inside Hargrave who clearly had his best game Armstead, who's been very, very consistent with now chase young and Nick Bosa, their front four can get it done. Now they still are going to have to, you know, get it done with depth up front. So it's, you know, they're going to, it's going to matter who else plays on that D line, but their first team D line is as good as there is probably in this league. And then offensive line wise, they were much better in this game. And I thought that was really interesting just from the standpoint of they were down a man and they were going with Trent Williams at less than a hundred percent. But I thought John Feliciano upon review of the film last night, just as a very solid, strong veteran offensive lineman. It doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and the Niner O-line bounced back with a really strong performance. They finally opened some run lanes for Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then overall, I would say, you know, that O-line, D-line would be my first takeaway. And and Brock Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy was outstanding. I mean, um, yeah, the first touchdown to, to Ayuk was like a, it was like a no, 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 yes, 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 kind of a moment. But um, you know, he broke out of of what was probably the worst stretch of his of his young career with maybe one of his best all around games. I mean, he was patient when he needed to be. He was aggressive when he needed to be. 
Uh, he showed plenty of arm strength for those of you who said that he couldn't make those throws downfield. He completed three touchdown passes, each of which traveled more than 20 yards in the air. He was excellent against pressure. And I would say that, that that's what really stood out to me in this game uh, was, you know, first the line of scrimmage and then Brock. As we talked about yesterday, doing a little post game together, I hopped on the Krug show to join you and your crew. You know, you asked what 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 was your biggest takeaway? And I still, after watching the game again, Larry, the 49ers are at their best when they're playing with violence. F- defensive violence, offensive violence, when the offensive line is scaring people, when Trent Williams is down there looking to take a safety's head off and that safety's making career decisions and, and <laughs> running and, backwards. Yeah, really. W- when Christian McCaffrey is just absolutely dead to right, stopped in his track and still falls forward for six yards because Spencer Burford comes up and does like a one man tush push behind him. I mean, there was just a level of dialed in and violent and seeking contact that was absent from the three game losing streak. If we're being completely honest. So I thought it was a return to normalcy for the 49ers. They looked an awful lot, if not better than some of the performances we saw during the 5-0 and start. And, you know, look, this isn't an overreaction because Larry and I were actually talking about some of these things while the three-game losing streak, while the five interceptions over three games was happening for Brock Purdy. He was still doing some extraordinary things. Larry, I don't know how anyone could keep him out of the conversation of top 10 best quarterbacks in football today. I, I really don't. I don't know how you can keep him now. You're going to have to actively find ways to keep him out of that conversation. The man entered the game with the best QBR in the NFL. So, you know, you can't get much better than number one. Brock Purdy finished his afternoon in Jacksonville with a career-high passer rating of 148.9. The 49ers offense has now scored 30 or more six times this season. That is the most in the NFL. And he... Beyond the one throw that was a touchdown to Ayuk, but as he was making that throw, he broke every single on-field cardinal rule (laughs) that you could possibly break as a quarterback. Don't want to see that again, Brock. Um, That's one of those, the process matters more than the result, and I'm sure Kyle is going to say, this is your worst throw of the afternoon. This touchdown is your worst throw of the afternoon. Never do that again, Brock. Um, But it is that, you know, cocksure attitude that I think separates a good quarterback from just an average quarterback. And Brock believes he can do shit with the football that other guys can't. And some days that'll bite him. And some days it'll bring the 49ers into the victory column. And I thought in Jacksonville, it was one of those days. Purdy is a player. He's not the guy you'd build in a player creation mode. He doesn't have the physical attributes that, that, you know, Trey Lance, uh, has, but I, I would not take Trey Lance as a team's quarterback before I take Brock Purdy, just based on the eight games of this season alone, the nine games that these guys have both now played. Brock is outplaying Trey Lance in every and all conceivable ways, essentially. So, um, they're not, they're not Trey Lance, but, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, pardon me. <laughs> I was like, why are we going back to Trey Lance? Yeah, no, Trevor Lawrence is, is who I meant. That's the guy that he was playing again. Look, Brock Purdy's season already is littered with top-tier, higher-paid, higher-drafted quarterbacks that he has beaten thoroughly, thoroughly outdueled them. And I know the quarterbacks aren't necessarily playing against each other, but the NFL always likes to frame that conversation. I just don't understand how anyone could look at what Brock has done and try to figure out what he isn't before they just start accepting what he is. What he is is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There you go. You know, it's so interesting because if you threw out the question this morning, who would you rather take, Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence? Uh, Most football fans would take Trevor Lawrence and wouldn't think twice. Um, And then, and then, and then they will give the, you know, even though they'll insult Shanahan left and right and suggest he's on the hot seat when he no when he's nowhere near it. the the first thing that they'll say is, could you imagine Trevor Lawrence in this offense with Kyle Shanahan and these weapons? You know, it's like uh, he would be incredible. So and who knows, because we're never going to see it. But um, 
you know, one guy's got the central casting looks and attributes of size, stature, arm strength, speed, toughness. I mean, I love Trevor Lawrence as a prospect. The other guy is just, you know, doesn't look the part, but man, he just keeps getting it done. And at this point, you know, yesterday, if you didn't see this, if you didn't see the box, 19 of 26 for Purdy, 296 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, a 148.9 passer rating. Uh, they did sack him a couple times, but in some ways, Damon, this was his greatest test. You're on the road. Your team's lost three in a row. You're going up against a Jacksonville team that's won five in a row that entered the game yesterday leading the NFL with 18 takeaways. So that's their M.O., right? They take the ball away, and your M.O. in the last couple of weeks is you're, you're giving it away. So uh, mix in some pressure you know, with Super Bowl expectations and the icon- iconic 49er franchise with 65% of the stadium uh, you know, wearing red. You know, there's some serious pressure to win that game on the road against the Jaguar team that rolled in with tons of confidence. So I, I thought in a lot of ways, uh, Purdy was outstanding. Shanahan on the on the on the touchdown throw. He says that was like one of the worst decisions he's made since he's been here. It took me a while to get over it, <laughs> but I thanked him for the touchdown. The number, though, Damon, that jumps out to me with Purdy is what he does against pressure. He was pressured on a career-high 50% of his dropbacks yesterday, and he threw against pressure for a career-high 143 yards. He went 8 of 12 and two touch with two touchdowns on those passes against pressure. Against pressure this year, or again, in pressure in his career, he's got eight touchdowns and one pick. Um, so, you know, I mean... The consistency is there. I mean, Mike Martz was comparing him to Joe Montana after the game. I won't go there out of respect for Joe and not wanting to apply any pressure to Brock. And I don't, you know, I don't believe he's in Joe's category. I really don't. Right, well, look, any, any any quarterback has a couple good games in the row. They're either they're compared to Joe Montana right. or Tom Brady these especially, days. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. Well, especially if you play for the Niners. Right. But but I forget Joe. But just, you know, the thing about Brock Purdy is he one thing that's just so undeniable is he is clearly able to operate this system uh, efficiently and effectively, and um, he's good enough. He, I mean, what we can debate it forever, but to me, the real story was he's always been good enough. But you know, we have to give this guy, he's still a young guy, he's barely played. You got to give him some a few games here and there to kind of adjust his his you know dials to how much risk versus how much reward you know when and and you know late over the middle in a crowd should be like number one rule against and that's exactly what he broke to get that first touchdown but he's you know i'd rather have a guy who's super aggressive who you gotta who's always looking to make plays like a young brett Favre, even though these guys physically looked much different um no, compare him to Brett Favre. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying as far as like he goes, you know, I'd rather have a quarterback that's trying to make a play and rein that guy in than right. a guy who's super captain check down and you're trying to dial him up to take chances. I, I, I'd much rather choke it back than uh, than try to build somebody into something that they're not naturally. Um, and I thought I thought the Niners did a great job at the line of scrimmage in this game and Brock benefited from it, but B- Brock made several big time throws, um, you know, down the field. And, uh, you know, I think we need to stop jumping the, you know, give this guy what he needs, which is it's going to have some up games, it's going to have some down games. Uh, But I, I I think it's pretty clear. The 49ers have their guy going forward. It's just a matter of, can they build up the offensive and defensive lines around him? And, and, you know, can he take care of the football? Um, get it to his weapons, operate the offense efficiently, and and win games. And yesterday was good enough to beat almost anybody in the league. Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger, good morning to you. Welcome to 49ers Wake Up. Ramon Gonzalez, incredible the hours Larry puts in. Cat scaredy face. I don't know why they put <laughs> but it oh he's a hard working man. But yeah, we don't we don't we don't need to bask in how hard you work. Get that comment down. Make, make, make the make the make the screen pretty, Larry. Get our oh, we also have this one. There we go. Um, Shanghai Kelly, who maybe um, any connection to the bar, Shanghai Kelly became a YouTube member. 
Shanghai. Big, Welcome big aboard. Steelers. That's a big Steelers bar, by the way. Shanghai Kelly's on Polk Street in San Francisco. Big Steelers really? bar. Okay. Uh, you know, you know who used to hang out there quite a bit. Who? After Giants games, who? the great the great Brian Sabian. Oh, I didn't know you. He was a regular Brian. at Shanghai Kelly's. Ned Coletti. Those guys would pop into a Shanghai Kelly's. I, I'll, I won't say they didn't. All right. Well, then, they, look at it this way. I liked them before. I think I like them even more now. <laughs> um, before we get into our patented just the facts, Larry, yeah. I yes. do want to, since we've been talking with about Brock Purdy, just kind of go over the resume of this year. Okay. I just want to talk about the matchups that he's been in and what he's done. If we were to make an argument about who this guy is in the hierarchy and the pecking order, which is all the shows that are unlike ours, that's like the only thing they want to talk about. We want to actually talk football and what happened in a game. We don't want to come up with mythical, always moving lists. That's just, it's lazy to me. But I'll play along just for a minute because I think we got an argument that is just, the guy's a top 10 quarterback in football right now. I don't care what propagandist told you that he threw all those training camp interceptions. It, it doesn't matter because here's who he is. In week one, Larry, he outduels Kenny Pickett, who was taken in the first round of the same draft where Brock obviously was the last pick. In week two, I wouldn't say that he outdueled Stafford, who was the number one pick in his class, but he held his own. He made no mistakes, and the 49ers won that game. In week three, he has a two-touchdown game and a romp over the New York Giants, who bring in Daniel Jones, who, even though he was non-functional, um, is a first rounder and was the second quarterback taken in his draft class in week four. He beats Josh Dobbs and look beating Josh Dobbs now is more impressive than it was in the week that he did it. Dobbs is now two and zero with the Vikings and Oh, by the way, in that game, he completed 95% of his passes in week five. He completely outplays the $160 million man, Dak Prescott with a four touchdown day and beats what was at the time the number one ranked defense in football in week six, he has his worst game of his career against Cleveland and he throws his first interception in weeks seven and eight. He throws two more picks in Minnesota and then two more picks against Cincinnati. But all that anybody could talk about was those interceptions. Everyone missed the fact that along with those bad interceptions, Brock Purdy also in back-to-back -back weeks, completed 70% of his passes in back-to-back -back weeks, along with 713 total yards from scrimmage in the air and on the ground in those two losses, where outside of the interceptions, he was phenomenal. Now, again, outside, it's like, it's like you know, other than the ending, how'd you enjoy the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You know, right. I understand. But he, he was phenomenal. And oh, by the way, in those two losses, he was outplaying the quarterback with the first guaranteed contract in NFL history. And then he um, was playing against the number one overall pick that Joe Burrow represented to the Bengals. And then in Jacksonville on Sunday against another number one overall pick, Mr. Irrelevant outduels him with a three-touchdown day and the best passer rating of his career. Brock Purdy's season is little, littered with successful data points. He's just kind of getting better as the year goes along, and he is beating anyone who dare be drafted in front of him or paid more than him for the most part. The guy has been remarkable. To sum up Brock Purdy's start to his career, it dwarfs and overshadows most guys who have gold jackets sitting in Canton. And it's still not good enough for some people. And I don't care about those people anymore. The opinion, <laughs> the opinion of what some people think Brock is or isn't doesn't matter. The statistics are bearing that the 49ers have their franchise guy. If he is this good, 17, 18 starts into his career. What's year four going to look like for Brock Purdy if he stays healthy and in this system? So, Larry, this guy is, is unbelievable. It's a Disney movie. Come to life. I mean, 28 touchdowns, nine picks is what he's done in his career and won a ton of games. I mean, this year, five tu 15 touchdowns, five picks for the regular season. He's projected for the year. For 28 touchdowns and nine picks 
completing 68.8% of his passes. He's been he's he's been good. He's been good. He's been good a lot more than he's been than he's been bad. Um, you know, and you just gotta roll with it. It's not a straight line. You're gonna have some you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days. Right. Progress um, isn't linear. It's 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 not all hockey stick level growth. There will be ups and downs, and that's the way it goes for everyone. Uh, it's just the way it goes. There is no reset button when you throw that first pick interception in a game of Madden, which I'm sure half of his critics always do when they throw a first quarter interception. Uh, there's a guy named Teasy on your chat who says, name one team he's played that had a better roster. I'll wait. No, I'm not going to allow you to move a totally fictitious field goal that, you know, that it doesn't matter what you think of the opponent. Every NFL opponent is an NFL opponent on the schedule, and Brock can't control that. All he can do is go out and play the team that he's playing against. That's it. That's all. That's all he can do. And the team that was playing better was the Dallas Cowboys, and they're still playing really good football. And he eviscerated them with his four-touchdown afternoon. Like, I don't want to hear that Brock's opponents aren't good enough for you to say that he is now good enough to be this team's quarterback, here's what he does. He goes out in games and he mostly fucks shit up against anyone who tries to beat him. That's what he does. Well, he doesn't have the big come-from-behind game yet. Well, it's usually because his team is pulling him out of the fourth quarter because they're so far ahead. We've seen Sam Darnold understudy more for Brock Purdy than we ever saw backups go in for Jimmy Garoppolo or anyone else. I mean, it, it's... It's amazing the position he has them in week after week after week. Stop trying to come up with a fictitious scenario in your own mind that Brock needs to clear. You know, your mental hurdle, you're trying to be Nick Ryder, Skip Bayless question. It's not a gotcha moment as much as it is a total realize a realization that you don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's a, and it's too, I mean, I'm watching Nick, Wright. The other, you know, when, when guys like Purdy lose, it's like, oh, wow, you know, this guy's not the guy. And then when he wins, it's like, you know, um, they just don't notice it. Or, you know, he, Nick Wright is so far down the, he's already debating when he fails, you know, or should the Niner brass be taken to task for the Trey Lance situation? It's like they, they've owned it. I mean, how many times do you want to say, hey, you know, Kyle Shanahan went to the podium and you can say Kyle Shanahan is not great at self-criticism if you want. But if you were there in the room like I was um, that day, you know that he owned that. He basically was like, hey, I blew this. I blew the Trey Lance thing. You know, I failed Trey Lance. I failed this organization. Uh, this is not a good day. This is, you know, we're moving on. But I failed here. I mean, I don't know what else you want. You want to be publicly flogged. I'm not sure exactly what you need, but he's admitted failure on the Trey Lance pick. Um, and they're going forward with Brock Purdy. And uh, he's lucky them because he's number one in the NFL in QBR. Uh, and yesterday on the road in a gotta-have-it game, he threw three touchdown passes and didn't turn it over against a team that leads the NFL in takeaways. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not saying the guy, believe me, you gotta, you gotta roll with it. I mean, you do you do you believe in Brock Purdy? It's like as soon as Brock Purdy had a couple turnovers, people were just running as fast as they can to Twitter. That's what I was talking about. That's what I knew. That blah 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 blah. And it's like, hey, you know what? Um, I think Brock's pretty good. Whether he wins tomorrow or loses tomorrow, whether he turns it over tomorrow or doesn't turn it over tomorrow. I think generally he's proven over the long haul that he can run this offense and he can execute this offense. And that's really what it's about. He can execute the offense and they can, can get the ball to his weapons. And I mean, you know, the guy makes a, made a lot of plays yesterday, a lot of plays. What and people I have think, to understand. Yeah. Well, I think what people have to understand is that there will be no singular afternoon of football. That is a referendum on whether Kyle Shanahan or Brock Purdy is the right guy for the job. They're the right guys for the job as this right. team is currently built. There is no changing it to accommodate the over panicking desires of the fan base who, again, does not know how football operates in so many different levels. Well, and people are knee jerk. I mean, that's it. it yeah. you know, the NFL is such a compelling show that overreaction Monday around the league is a thing. 
It's big I mean, business. ESPN's got a headline judging the biggest overreactions for NFL week 10 by Dan Graziano. You know, it's like, this is a thing. It's not like we're like, oh, hey, you know, Niner fans overreact, football fans overreact because there's 17 seasons and every week is a new season unto no, itself. 17 games. Yeah. Every game. Yeah. And, and, and Fred Warner said it. Hey, guys, in the locker room, he's like, we're not going to get caught looking ahead any, anymore. We're going to take them one at a time. Now, whether that was true, whether it was fatigue, whether their opponents were just better than them, whatever. It's the ebb and flow of an NFL season. That's why even the greatest Niner teams that were super dominant that had Joe and Steve and pro bowlers and all pros everywhere you look, coaching depth that was the envy of the league. None of those teams ran the table. Um, the greatest Niner teams of all time still lost a couple games along the way. I mean, 84 Niners were 15 and one. Um, 89 Niners, I think, were 14 and two, something like that. Um, you know, those are two of the best teams that ever played. So you're going to lose a couple games along the way, no matter what. So it's just it's just the way it is. Um, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's the images are incredible. So it's and they're very powerful. So when you win, it's like oh, you know, already the debate this morning are the 49ers now back to being the favorite in the NFC because of this win. Man, the defense had five sacks and Jacksonville ran for 59 yards and the offense scored 30 plus points for the sixth time this year and. Now they've got a dominant defensive line and, you know, the coverage was better. And Wilkes is on the field. You know, I mean, all these like positives where going into the game, it was like, man, they can't tackle. They can't they can't rush. They're not getting home. So let's let's get into some of the ex the the particulars on why they got it done yesterday. I, I would say the thing watching that film again, this is the best 49er front four they've had going back a long ways beyond D Ford and Bosa and the team that went to the Super Bowl. Chase Young is is better than that version of D Ford, even though D had a decent year that year, uh, his last big hurrah. But Chase, Chase Young's stronger at the point, and I think he's got more overall moves where D Ford was sh- strictly a speed rusher. And I really love the way the Niner D-line. I told uh, Willard on Friday that, the key factor in this game was going to be the Niner D line was going to rule the day over that Jacksonville O line and man, their D line really kicked butt, but it, none of it works, Damon, if the coverage on the back end is not coordinated. And that's what we, I felt like we saw on the back end. You had a good pass rush up front, but you had a well-coordinated back end that if Lawrence even completed a pass, that was fine because the Niner defender was right there in position to make the tackle and not give up any any yards after the catch. I thought the coordinated defensive effort was the number one thing of the day. I thought that even though he drew a few flags that you'd rather have him not draw, uh, Mooney Ward made among the biggest plays of the afternoon, breaking up that touchdown pass to Christian yeah. Kirk in the end zone. Uh, I thought that Ambry Thomas played well and look is it addition by subtraction in terms of a lower snap count for Isaiah Oliver it's hard to say it isn't I thought that was the key I mean Oliver has been the weakness teams have completed 100% of the passes against him they took him off the field and essentially replaced him with Ambry Thomas even though uh, the guy who manned his position was Lenore so Lenore kicked inside Ambry worked outside you know, Ambry's had a very interesting career. We should probably isolate him for just a second, uh, Damon, just because, you know, he was the third-round pick, and there was talk coming out of the draft process that year that the guy who really banged the table for him was Adam Peters. And, and you know, you're talking about a guy who was picked 102nd overall. This was the 49ers' 2021 third-round draft choice out of Michigan. In a lot of ways, he's got the prototypical um, – measurables of what you're looking for in a corner you know he's six feet 195 he's very strong he's got great speed um he's got really above average coverage ability but he's been inconsistent and i talked to him about it in camp he was very he was very um candid about how he had some success in that first year and then all of a sudden he came back in that second year and he thought he didn't need to work and he kind of just thought everything was going to kind of fall into place and he had that second year slump where he was a non-factor. And he went into this last offseason going, man, I've got to kind of find my 
myself or I'm not going to have a career. And he showed up this summer just hell-bent on winning a job and really played his best football. Um, and is he a perfect player? No, but he's a very talented athlete. And, you, you know, a lot of times the best, uh, you know, what you really need in the NFL against premier athletes is you got to be a premier athlete. So that's what he is. I mean, if you go look at his uh, athletic profile, he's a very, very good athlete. Uh, he's a kid from Detroit who went to Michigan, high, high, always highly rated. He was a top 100 recruit. He went to Martin Luther King High School in Detroit. And, um, you know, he's now starting to fulfill that potential. And sometimes it happens right away. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, awesome. But he is a, you know, he's a tough, feisty, fast uh, press man corner. They played more man coverage yesterday. I don't think they're, I think that's cause and effect. You know, the fact that they played more man and he played more. So he's got a good feel for man coverage and he's physical in coverage. And that sometimes leads to penalties, um, you know, but he's got great tracking skills because he was a high school wide receiver. He's got great ball skills and he made the play of his life that unfortunately was uh, interrupted with the 49ers leaving the sideline, uh, which could have been a disastrous situation. But Ambry Thomas, the forced fumble, fumble recovery, 91-yard touchdown return. I mean, that was that was absolutely one of the plays of the year. It was, I think, important for his development. And again, I think one of the most unreasonable things is that everyone expects that the new player on their team is going to instantly, day one, perform like a future Hall of Famer. I mean, there's no room for progress. You'd think that, you know, coming from the Bay Area, people would know that, you know, sometimes you got to uncork the wine and let it breathe before it's really ready to serve. And a lot of these guys need a little breathing time in football. They need to go out and learn mistakes and they need to feel the game. And there's always going to be a weak spot. And that weak spot's going to be attacked over and over again. You saw Diamador Lenore on the wrong side of a few plays yesterday because he got identified as the weak spot when he moved inside. And this is what good teams do. They hunt weak spots. That's what they're out there doing. And so much of this game is, can my third best wide receiver beat your third best cornerback? That's where most NFL games are decided. I mean, we always talk about stars. We're obsessed with fantasy stats, but stars can't be stars on every play. Eventually, the depth chart needs to perform for you or it works against you. Yesterday, the Niners were a touch better at their third corner than we saw the Jaguars at their third wide receiver. And still, as much as that was a lopsided game, there are three or four plays that had the Jaguars actually hit them. The way that that game rolls out, it feels much differently. All of these games, even the ones that look like lopsided blowouts, are closer than you think. Um, there is so much talent in this league. And one of the things that we talked about yesterday... Larry was, you know, yes, you can come away saying Hargrave and Nick Bosa and Chase Young. This team goes to the Super Bowl based on what Javon Kinlaw is about to do, what Eric Armstead is about to do, what other guys who come in as rotation players, Cleland Farrell, Randy Gregory, those will be the guys that make the plays that determine whether this year is good or special. And that's where you have to feast. That's where you have to win as the Niners with the strength of your depth. And while everyone is paying attention to the star power on the outside, you got guys eating on the inside, collapsing pockets. And that's where Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence had nowhere to go yesterday. You know, I, I said, you know, Chase Young, they need to add a corner. They need to add a corner. They need to add a corner. It's because I really thought that there's just no room in the NFL to get to a quarterback anymore because everyone gets the ball out so fast. And there was a sequence, like a 14-play drive that led to the only field goal of the afternoon for the Jaguars where they totally went to the screen game and it started working. It started working. They were just ball snap, ball out, ball snap, ball out. And that's the most effective they were, and it worked for a little while. The 49ers kind of crept towards the line of scrimmage. They shut that down, and then when the Jaguars tried to go back to playing five, seven-step drop football – 
Trevor Lawrence, again, got sacked five times and ended up with four takeaways. The 49ers defense did. So um, I think a lot of that was the back end, too. I mean, that was, you know, you go back and watch that film again. Um, there was times he had time to throw, but the, there was nobody open. The coverage was really, really tight. The Hufanga funny thing is, game, Larry, Hufanga, who'd been, who'd not had a, good game, a really throw, good game. He had a really good game. And he had been, he's had some really subpar games. I mean, I love Hufanga. I think he's a great guy, but I mean, he had some really subpar games. Same with Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave clearly had his best game. One and a half sacks, three pressures. Um, you know, he let, he had a, a, a couple times where he had a pressure that led to a sack for another 49er. Um, he had he had the pressure that led to an interception. He had a pass rush win rate of 33%, which was the best on the team. He had a run stop win rate yesterday of 71%, which was best on the team. So, um, you know, we weren't even sure Thursday when they had the knee flare up if, if Hargrave was even going to go. And then he comes out and he plays and he plays his best game. But, you know, it's, I thought it was ironic as hell because I asked Kyle Shanahan a question last week at the press conference. I said, Kyle, you came out after the Cincinnati game, after you watched the film, not in the post game, but the next day. And you told us, my team looked tired. My team looked slow. I said, the the the, the bye week is going to address the the tired, right? But where are you going to get, where are you going to inject additional speed? And he smiled and he's like, you got any ideas for me? And I'm like, yeah, how about Danny Gray? He's like, well, that's one guy. And then he kind of sloughed it off and was like, you know, I wasn't talking about an individual. I was talking about our overall team speed. We look slow as a team and we need a number of guys to kind of freshen up and play faster. But sure enough, when it was time to in making a, making a, a personnel adjustment for this game, he was sandbagging me. Because that's exactly what the 49ers did. They took Isaiah Oliver, who runs 4-6-4-7, off the field, and they replaced him with Ambry Thomas, who runs a 4-4 flat. And some people think he in Michigan in pre-draft that he tested in the high four threes. And they put a faster, better athlete on the field outside, moved Lenore into the slot, and suddenly their coverage was better. So to me, people, the headline today is going to be. Steve Wilkes moved from the to the sideline and he fired him up. That's and that's a bunch of crap because the key to pass coverage is pass coverage. You gotta have big time athletes. They do have one in Ambry Thomas, but he wasn't playing because they don't trust him. They coached him up, trusted him, started him outside, moved Lenore inside, and they put their three best cover athletes all on the field at one time. The, the bye week freshened up Ward a little bit, and they added Chase Young up front. And the combination of you added Chase Young up front and you get a healthy Ward and Greenlaw, and you add Ambry Thomas and subtract Isaiah Oliver, that's it. That was why the Niners were better yesterday. They added speed to their defense, and it showed. you You got to have speed. You can't just fake it. And he sloughed it off, and then he did it. You know, I said, how are you going to inject speed? He's like, oh, you got any ideas? And then they injected literal speed in uh, in uh, Thomas over Oliver, and that was the difference, I thought. I really thought that was the difference. Welcome to 49ers Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. It's wonderful to have you here. Hit like, hit subscribe. Boy, if you are already subscribing to Larry Please come on over, hit subscribe over on my channel, and certainly vice versa. 49ers Wake Up continues to roll. It's taken over the Bay Area every morning after the Niners play. Uh, Larry, are we going to do a, a Friday after the Thanksgiving game, or should we wait to Monday? Because we, we, we're going to have to figure that one out. We'll have, a, we'll have our production meeting, I guess, off the air. But that's something that I've been thinking about. Um, it's time. I'm for up for it. I'm up for it. I may be working that day, but uh, I'll definitely be up for uh, for a little Friday after Thanksgiving. We call it the tryptophan hangover edition. Yes. Of the <laughs> Bruce Kruger extravaganza. Brought to you by a fantastic nap. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when we worked together back at Sports Byline back in the day, this is oh like the mid 90s. Yes. One of the first shifts I ever had was I, I told the guy, I'm like, hey, you know what I can do? I, I heard your, uh, I was doing sales for them. I heard their 
shows. And I'm like, I, I think I'm pretty sure I can do that. The guy's like, oh, I don't know. You have no experience. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty damn sure I can do it anyway. Um, so finally, he's like, well, maybe you could fill in during the holidays. I'm like, great. Let me know. Sure enough. They're like, hey, we need someone to host Sports Overnight America. When? Thanksgiving night. Right. And they give me no notice. They told me, asked me like, that morning. Oh, the guy doesn't want to do it. It's Thanksgiving. So I'm like, OK. It was a 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. show. Have a full Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's house. She then gives me gives us, you know, like was walking out. She like made like back in those days, she used to like make like two turkeys with of like 30 people in the house. Um, she just gives me these four just awesome fat turkey breast sandwiches, wraps them in foil, puts them in my duffel bag. I get I, I start doing the show. I'm like an hour in. I'm like, I'm starving, man. I got to get I start wolfing down a couple turkey sandwiches. It's like taking sleeping pills. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the first one of the first shows I've ever done. The last hour of the show, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm Larry, I'm starting to, I'm starting to yeah, I'm like, literally falling asleep on the air, falling asleep on the air, high on turkey sandwiches. Content was good. Needs to work on energy. Yeah, his energy <laughs> in the last couple hours was not good in his debut show. Look, you you can't come up in radio and not have worked a few like Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas night shifts. It's just part of it. It's, it's it, you know, you're everyone's the low man on the totem pole at some point in time. I remember running boards on Thanksgiving at KNBR doing the Thanksgiving game on 1050 and one night. Uh, one of the nicest gestures ever made to me on Thanksgiving was, do you remember Carl Kelsick? Of course you do, yes, right? Carl great, great guy. Great guy. Carl Kelsick comes in with a late plate for me, brings me in a plate of Thanksgiving dinner in the middle of just me, the only guy working in a radio station. I'll never think of a Thanksgiving without thinking of how happy I was to see Carl walking in with a plate stacked <laughs> like this for me. Here you go, fat boy. Enjoy your night in the radio station. So awesome. Yeah. The great Carl Kelsick gets a shout out. Love that. Uh, great radio name from the past. Uh, we have some supers, Damon. Yeah. David says Moody will forever have me nervous. We'll get to the kicker. Yeah. I mean, the field goal just inside the upright. The hey, you know what? The extra that point that kind of goes from left to right. and Counts oh. the same as the one that goes straight down the middle. As I long mean, as it's in between the goalposts, I don't think there's any room to complain. I really yeah. don't. Like it, it, the guy, Robbie Gold is not walking through that door. Is that what no. you're saying? No, no, he's not. He's he's not walking through any door. He's he's obviously on a beach somewhere. Not interested. Ben, De he actually worked out for the New York Giants, and they went with a different kicker. So it's. I think we do have indications that Robbie oh. at least is open to kicking. It's just a matter of is he going to get a gig? Um, Can he play know? quarterback for the New York Giants? <laughs> Ben DeMarco says, hey, guys, love the show. Love your show. Appreciate Thanks, you, Ben. Have a great uh, morning today. Jesse Wade says, when we win, oh, this team is so good. When we lose, he's not the guy. Bunch of absolute horseshit. Can you can Brock get better? Yes. But he is effing. Is he effing good? Yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> Jesse, that's well said. It's like, I get it. It's like, you know, what you saw yesterday rules the day. So today it's like yeah brock's great and then next week he throws a pick it's like they gotta look for a guy he's not the guy you know it's like um i think it's safe to say that he's gonna have some ups he's gonna have some downs i think he's already today quite a bit better than jimmy garoppolo oh, um, without a doubt without a doubt i trust i think good things are going to happen he's kyle Shanahan, he's kyle shanahan's best quarterback since matt ryan's mvp season full stop and as far as where he ranks, you know, he he's a top half of the league quarterback. Um, I would say any given day, you could say you would prefer him over any number of guys that maybe even have better looking physical stature, stature, and you know seem like they're more blue chip. Uh, but the one thing the guy does is he he can run an offense. Who is process what he sees? Here, here's a question for you. You don't have to answer it right now. Maybe you think about it throughout the show and then come back to me when you got it. What quarterback in the NFC would you rather have over Brock Purdy? NFC quarterbacks only. Jalen Hurts, it's an easy answer, and I'll give it to you. Now who? Now what? Um, NFC quarterback. Daniel Jones, no. 
New York Giants, uh, Pres- I, I would say no to Prescott. I don't want Prescott. Sam Howell, no. Fields and what uh, and uh, what from caught in Chicago, no. Right. Would you rather have Jared Goff? No. no. Love. Have there have have been people that said they'd rather have Love. I, I would rather have Purdy. I'd rather have Purdy than Cousins. I'd rather have Purdy than Ritter or Heineke. I'd rather have Purdy than, than uh, the rookie in Carolina, though I do like him. I'd rather have Purdy than Carr. Rather have Purdy than Baker. Rather have Purdy than Kyler, though I do like Kyler, actually. I'd rather have a young Stafford than Purdy, for sure. Right, but again, but at this point in their career, who are you taking? Yeah, right now, Stafford's 35 and and hurt. Um, I'd rather have Purdy than Geno. Definitely rather have Purdy than Geno. Yeah, by prospect, the second best quarterback in his own conference is what I'm saying. Seriously. Yeah. Like the process of elimination, I don't think it's that far out. Now, if you start incorporating AFC quarterbacks, Brock starts moving down the list because you're talking about the creme de la creme de la creme. And now CJ Stroud is officially throwing himself into a conversation uh, that no one really expected him to be in. He's who's really- the third best. I mean, the top three in the AFC or, you know, whatever order Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, or Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar. I don't know. Right. I mean, uh, but where now you're starting to wonder down the road, is Herbert going to be in there? Is Stroud, is Stroud going to be in there? Is Tua is, uh, going to be remain in that conversation? Is you know, going to be there. Is Levis going to get there in Jacksonville? Is her, right. is uh, Lawrence going to be the guy? Is Anthony if Richardson? Rogers gets to go into like one of those star Wars tanks where you get better instantly. And and, and comes back in December. Like I, first of all, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I think he loves. I, the bet, I bet the Raiders last night. That, I mean, I could not believe in the pre, game show how many of the people on nbc bet pick the jets i mean i know it's the raiders and i know but i mean the raiders were at home with a, a coach that they're at least playing hard for um and they still have a running back and didn't did nobody see the jets game last week i mean the jets were just atrocious right, they have a non-functional offense i mean they were atrocious last week so, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that I'm watching this pregame show. I'm like, did anybody watch the Jet game on national TV last week? They were terrible. So, anyway, but now right. let's back to the Niners. Back okay. to the Niners. Hit, hit like, hit subscribe. It is good to have you here on 49ers Wake Up. Let's go with just the facts. These are not opinions. These are facts. Fact. Brock Purdy finished with a career-high passer rating in Jacksonville. He was 148.9. This is a guy who came into the game with the best QBR in the NFL and will probably still be there depending on what Josh Allen does tonight because I think he's nipping at his heels or vice versa depending on whoever had a better game. But Purdy played excellently in Jacksonville. It's not to be debated. George Kittle has now had back-to-back 100-yard games for the second time in his career. He scored his fourth touchdown of the season. The 49ers have scored 30 or more points six separate times this year, which is the most of any team in football. And this might, Larry, drift into a little bit of an opinion, but I believe it is correlation, causation, whatever you want. But you say athletes matter? Well, Two of the best athletes on the team show back up in Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. And what do you know? All of a sudden, you're running for 144 yards against one of the stingiest, toothiest run defenses in all of football. The Jaguars were top three against the run. But, you know, Debo and Trent return running game pops. There's no coincidence there, Larry. That's that's related. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we can talk football every week. But the one thing that is just a constant is that for the most part, you win in the NFL when you can run the ball and stop the run. And the Niners, on on the surface, couldn't do that in, against Cincinnati. Cincinnati ran for Mixon went ran for five four a carry. The Bengals ran for five yards a carry. Even Burrow gashed him with the run. The Niners couldn't stop the run at all. Falling off tackles, missing tackles, not coming out of gaps, not coming off of blocks. Uh, neither safety did anything in the run game this week. Hafanga was fantastic, and defensive linemen caught off blocks, and the linebackers were fresh, and they were running and hitting, and 
So, I mean, it was just the Niners stopped Etienne. I, I said it in the pregame. Um, if Etienne, who go, came in averaging 3-9 a carry, if he averages 5-5 five, five a carry, uh, Jacksonville's going to win this game. Instead, he came out, he only they, he only ran it nine times, and he ran for 3-9 a carry. Conversely, McCaffrey, who had been getting stuffed behind the Niner line, now was Feliciano the difference? Uh, was Burford better? Uh, was you know McCaffrey fresher? Was it better play calling? But McCaffrey ran for 5-9 a carry, and the Niners ran for almost five yards on a pop on 30 carries. I think so, uh, I think Feliciano gets a lot of credit there. Filling in for Aaron Banks is no easy filling job. Banks has been fantastic this year, yeah. one of the highest rated guards in the entire league, and um, and they didn't miss a beat. I'm not going to say that they were better, but you know to not miss a beat with a backup player in there means the backup player had a wonderful afternoon. Feliciano was very good. Um, just the facts again. Forget about my opinion. Just the facts. Just the facts. The Jaguars. Hey, were 12 first downs. It's one of the better performances of the entire season. The New York Giants were held to 10 by the 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys were held to eight first downs. But you hold the team to 12 first downs, it means they're never ahead of the chains. Things are going terrible for them. So it was a very good afternoon. For the second time this year, the team registered five sacks. They did the same thing opening weekend, week one in Pittsburgh. Uh, Second time this season that they've had four takeaways. They had four takeaways in the Dallas game. There was a sequence where the 49ers defense caused the Jaguars to have a five possession possession stretch, which was a fumble. They settled for a field goal. They threw an interception. They fumbled again and then threw another pick. Trevor Lawrence then threw another pick and um, was responsible for three of the team's four turnovers. So it was just a causing havoc wreaking havoc level afternoon for the entire defense. Nick Bosa in particular, Nick Bosa forced his ninth fumble of his career. He now has after a sack and a half performance, 47 and a half sacks. He's only played 60 games in his career and he's got 47 and a half sacks with nine forced fumbles. He's mastered the, he's mastered the sack fumble. Yeah. Larry, he's four and a half sacks away from being third on this team's all-time sack list. He's four and a half sacks away from being right up there behind Bryant Young and Charles Haley. Bryant Young, Charles Haley, Nick Bosa. In four and a half sacks, that's the list of all-time sack leaders for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan, he improved to 6-3 and three against AFC South teams. He is 3-0 and oh, now against Jacksonville. And the only room that I thought he even left a a crack of the door open for criticism was trying to get Christian McCaffrey that touchdown at the end. I understand why he did it. I also think it was a little, little foolish to be that aggressive for, you know, when you're starting quarterbacks out of the game, Christian McCaffrey should also be out of the game. I think that that's kind of a universal truth, but I understand because. And And let's go beyond that for a second. You're talking about forcing touches to a player who's on pace for over 400 touches, who you have to have fresh in January to win a Super Bowl. Right. So defense knows we're going to send 11 to tackle him. Well, I mean, and then then there's the, how did you get it? How did you do it? The better plan. I mean, it's, I couldn't believe the way they did it. I felt like I was watching the Warriors feed Clay Thompson in his 37 point quarter at the end there, where it was like, you know, let's keep feeding Clay. It's like, no, no, let's just, keep playing basketball uh, and then we'll figure out if clay can score within the whole thing. But I mean, that's basketball. This is you literally, this guy had an X on his chest and everybody knew that he was going to get the ball as you're trying to move the ball. You weren't just trying to score with him. You were trying to move the ball in position to score and then score with him. It's like, if you really want to do that correctly, Kyle, Go to somebody else when everybody thinks you're going to CMC to get to the one, a little turnaround stopper out at the one, and then give it to McCaffrey two or three times from the one. Instead, use check check falling into the end zone is what took Christian McCaffrey's touchdown away. But I mean, why give him the ball five times and let them just load up on a bunch of hits to a for a guy that you absolutely have to have late in the year? I mean. I'm all for getting the record, but be smarter about it. I mean, I mean that. Don't just say everybody in the stadium knew he was going to touch the ball. So why not advance the ball to the one 
And then you got just you got the option to go McCaffrey over the top or, McCa- you know, McCaffrey on some, you know, give him a couple runs from the one. Instead, they like forced him to be like the offense inside the 20 coming out of that timeout. And they just like try to make almost like a joke of it. Like we're going to CMC and we're going to CMC again. And now we're going to pass it to CMC. I mean, just it just seemed like bad methodology, maybe questionable decision making risk reward didn't make sense team individual goals over team goals i mean it was just it just it didn't it just it didn't it, register it was a mistake way, right with the way that kyle shanahan's dna is coursing through it, it just didn't it didn't compute but again no harm no foul he's, he's alive today he he's lived through it we all lived through it he is not hurt and look, they were trying to do something very special. His consecutive games with a touchdown uh, scored streak comes to an end at 17. So he has to share first place with Lenny Moore, who's a Hall of Famer from the Baltimore Colt days. Um, and, and look, he already, it, yeah, he's got to share the record anyway. Right. Um, so it, it but it was it, it was. It wasn't penny wise. It was penny foolish and pound foolish. I thought I get it. I'm not angry. Thank God nothing happened. But let's never do that bullshit again. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> Secondly <laughs> Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's. I mean, it, he came up with a couple of his best stats yet. And I just want to put this in again. These are not opinions, Larry. These are just the facts, just the facts in Purdy's first two seasons. He's now registered three games with three or more touchdown passes in a passer rating of 140 or more, making him just the second player in football history to have three such games in their first two seasons. The only other guy that did it was Kurt Warner in 1999. So, you know, Kurt Warner, who we all acknowledge is one of the single greatest stories in football history, has now, now got Brock Purdy, standing next to him on this list of, hey, were you that good that early in your career with three touchdown passes and this quarterback rating? Only two guys can say yes, and Brock is now one of them. And this is something that I think is just fascinating. And again, how does the Brock isn't good enough crowd have any ammunition left to fire at that point that they're just, admit you're wrong. Admit you're wrong. You were wrong. You got it wrong. You handicapped it wrong. And Brock is good enough to win the Kentucky Derby. You tried to say he was a claiming horse, you know? Um, Joe Burrow. The, and the people who said that he lacked arm strength, particularly this look morning, oh, look bad. What? Those people look the worst because the arm strength is fine. It's fine. It he really didn't is. Step into that pocket because it was being pushed into his knees and he armed the ball out to George Kittle on his longest touchdown pass of his career. He just armed that ball out there. He didn't right. have good technique. He couldn't step into that throw. He had a pocket right in his lap, and uh, and and that was all arm strength. Here's his arm strength. It's good enough. It's NFL caliber. It's good enough. He might not be able to throw it from his knee, from the 20, through the, the uprights, but you don't throw footballs like that. You know, like Kyle Bowler didn't, didn't matter that he could throw <laughs> right. from his knee at Cal Memorial Stadium. That's you're down. You know, that's that's what that is. So anyway. This, this to me is uh, the guys who want to shoot at Brock Purdy have no more ammunition left. Listen to this, Larry. The single best career completion percentage in football history. Well, first of all, what do you even think it is? The best completion percentage in football history that any player carries with enough year? to qualify. Yeah, no, j- career. The career, career greatest completion percentage. Oh, uh, career, I would say it's probably 69%. 68%. God, you know football. I'm very impressed. Good job, Larry. 68%, and it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has the best career completion percentage. Small sample size. Well, <laughs> it, it is. It's only yeah. 50 games. It's only 50 games. It's a small sample size. So Joe Burrow, best in football history, 68%. And he's a modern quarterback. You knew he was going to be a modern quarterback because the modern game is 
you know, per completion percentages. You know, you see co completion percentages in the 70s now. Right. Brock Purdy's this season, his completion percentage is 68.8%. So 0.8% better than the greatest career completion percentage ever recorded. Now, he's only played 17 regular season games in Brock's career, again, with 68% being the best of all time. In Brock's 17-game now career, his career completion percentage is 67.8. So he's Which is right online, by the way, with his completion percentage in college. Larry, he's so that two, is what the guy is. He's two-tenths of a percent away from being the greatest career completion percentage in NFL history. I mean, what, what more do you want than that? <laughs> what more are you looking for? What more are you looking for? Uh, he completes 70% of his passes. He has a better than three to one career touchdown to interception ratio. He's not like, him. 